Welcome. Uh, it's wonderful to have you with us this morning, uh, whether you're uh, gathering here in the building or whether uh, you're uh, online following us there. Uh, it's great to have you with us. A very warm welcome uh, to you. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be beginning our series in Advent. Uh, we'll be looking uh, at Isaiah uh, chapter 61, and Neil will be preaching to us from that later. Uh, this evening, uh, we're looking at um, 2 Corinthians, so we'll be continuing uh, through that. But uh, along with that, Neil and Liz will be sharing something of their time uh, as they went out to India recently to, uh, to visit missionaries there. Uh, and so if you're interested in that, please do come along to that uh, this evening. And then lastly, uh, next Sunday, uh, there'll be a memorial uh, service and that will be 6 o'clock, usual time, evening service uh, next week. It's a time just to, to ponder, uh, to remember and reflect on those uh, we have lost. Um, if you'd like to come along to that, please do. Uh, if you've yet to maybe give a name um, for the people close to you that you've lost, uh, again, please do get in touch with us. Uh, speak to Helen, uh, ping her an email on that, and we'd love to uh, add them to the list. Now, as we gather uh, to meet with the Lord, let us just take a moment just to quiet our hearts as we rush to come in. Let us just steady ourselves and meet with the Lord. Let's take a moment of quiet. Father God, we thank you that we can come into your presence through all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. That we can humble ourselves before you as you have humbled yourself for us and bringing us to yourself and coming from the throne room of heaven uh, to a manger and then to a cross that we can come to know you. So Lord, we, we thank you. Help us to have hearts which are full of adoration and praise as we meet with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Lord God, we thank you that you are the one who has come into this world to proclaim good news, the good news of the gospel that you have come uh, to live the life that we did not, to die the death that we deserve, that we might be reconciled to you. We thank you that the gospel is good news, good news for those who are spiritually poor, good, no, good news for those who are physically poor, uh, that you come to them and fill their hearts. We thank you that you bind up uh, the brokenhearted. And we pray, Father, that if there are those who are brokenhearted this morning, that you would bind up their hearts with your love. We thank you for the freedom that comes through the gospel, that we are no longer under the weight of our sin, but you have redeemed us. You have brought us from darkness to light, that we can praise your name. And Father, we do pray, Lord, for, for those uh, among us who are really struggling at the moment. We pray for those who are struggling, especially financially, as they think of how they will pay bills. Lord, we pray for provision for them. We pray that you'd use us to provide for them, especially as we think of giving towards them, towards the benevolent fund today. 
We pray as well for the Operation Christmas Child with the, the shoe boxes, and we pray, Lord, that that would be a, a true blessing to so many as they receive that only for their Christmas. Uh, Lord, it is uh, quite convicting for us to, to be mindful of all that we receive at Christmas. Uh, help us, Lord, uh, to be content with what we have, with the vast amounts of things that we have, and that we would ultimately be abundantly generous in all that we have, Lord, as you have given us everything by your grace. We pray that you would help us to be generous in our time, in our gifts, and in the money that you have given us, as we know that everything comes from your good and gracious hand. And so we pray that you would help us to use the gifts that you've given us well. And Lord, we do pray for those who are uh, not with us this morning, who are far from us. We pray for uh, for Dave and for Alan, who are in Romania at the moment. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon them and the ministry of Julian. We pray as well for Bethan and, and Tenebu in at Senegal. We pray for the ongoing uh, planning and, and work as they seek to build the medical clinic. We pray as well for opportunities to share uh, the, the good news of the gospel and the love of Jesus in that whole process as well. And Father, we pray for the, the, women's, the women's craft event on Thursday, uh, for many uh, women to come along to, to be built up, to enjoy a good time together and to hear something of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the men's breakfast yesterday as we thought about growing in grace together. And we pray, Lord, that we would be the men who do that, who are men of grace, who seek to be gracious as you have been to us. Lord, we thank you for, for Flora as she's come into membership. We thank you for her life. We pray for protection upon her, for spiritual protection, uh, that you would keep her from uh, the evil one, that you would uh, cover her in your armor as she seeks to walk with you. We pray that as well for, for each of us. We pray especially for our leaders, for our elders, for those who are leading in ministries. Lord, we pray that you would keep them from the evil one. Would you protect them and help them to walk in your ways, in your light, in Jesus? And we pray, Father, for um, for those who are uh, serving uh, in, in that role of, of elders. We pray for uh, James, especially as he's come into another term. And we thank you for... For that, we pray as well for, for Jeff as he's stepped down after two terms, totaling 10 years of faithful service. We thank you both for them. Would you have your hand upon them and bless them? We pray, Lord, as we think of this season of Advent, as we think of preparing for Christmas, for the various things that we do, that as Nathan th- said, we would just not prepare our homes, but prepare our hearts uh, for the Lord Jesus. We pray for the, the Christmas drop in that light this afternoon, that, that many would be open, uh, that their hearts would be soft to the things of the Lord, and that through good conversations, uh, through the tracks and through the, the information that's shared, that they would be keen to hear more of you, that they would be part of the Christmas services and events as well. Lord, we thank you as we think of uh, the one who came, Emmanuel, a God with us, that Jesus dwells with us today by his spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you now in that. And we pray, Father, for uh, our reading as Caroline comes to us to read Isaiah 61. Lord, would our hearts be soft? Would they be open? Would they be attentive to your word as we hear that? And pray for Neil as well as he he comes to preach. Uh, May he do so clearly and boldly 
uh, would you anoint him by your spirit that he would uh, preach to our hearts that we would meet with the risen Lord Jesus today and this we ask in his glorious name Amen The reading is from the prophet Isaiah chapter 61 and it can be found on page 749 in the church bible The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Caroline. Let's pray as we come to to God's word. Father, we thank you that your word is good news. And we do pray this morning that we would understand that good news. And as we do so, we would experience healing, freedom, comfort, and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how many of you enjoy the uh, the pastime of people-watching. Uh, not in a sort of creepy, stalking kind of way, but um, out of a curious um, delight in the diversity of people that God has made. 
Um, one of the best places for people watching is the arrivals hall of an airport. You've got all sorts of people there, haven't you? Waiting uh, in excitement and anticipation for the person or the people that they have come to meet. And if someone comes through the gate, uh, you, you look at those waiting, and you don't know whether you play this game, you try and guess who it is that's waiting for them. Um, and what sort of welcome will they give them? Will it be a great big hug because they haven't seen them for a long time? Or will it be a polite handshake because it's the first time they've met them? Well, today is the first Sunday in Advent. And Advent is about waiting, waiting for an arrival, the arrival of the Messiah. And during this uh, period of Advent, we put ourselves in the shoes of the people of Israel who were waiting for the, the promised Messiah for hundreds of years, had read about him in the Old Testament, and they were longing for him to come. The prophets had told them to expect him. Simeon was one such person in the book of Luke in the New Testament. We're told that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And sure enough, he did meet the baby Jesus and took him in his arms. And he prayed. He prayed this prayer. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. But there are two aspects of waiting that are involved in Advent. The waiting for Jesus' first coming, which has already taken place 2,000 years ago. And the waiting for Jesus' second coming, when he will complete the work of salvation that he has started. And the Old Testament prophets often contain this, this double prophecy. They are looking ahead to the first coming of Jesus, as well as the second coming. Isaiah was um, one such prophet. And I'm going to be looking at three different passages from Isaiah over the next three weeks in the short Advent series. As we do so, we'll look at three different aspects of Jesus' coming. The fact that Jesus has come to save, which we'll be looking at this morning. That Jesus will come to judge. And he will come to renew and recreate the heavens and the earth. This morning, as I say, we're looking at the first of those. And uh, the first thing we learn from this passage is that the Lord sent Jesus, the Messiah, to proclaim good news. Have a look at uh, verse 1 again. It says there, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the, day, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. Of our God. And the person speaking is the anointed one, the Messiah. That's what Messiah means. It says he's been anointed king by the sovereign Lord, by God. To be anointed is to be set apart, given authority by God for a special task. Kings, priests, and prophets uh, were all anointed by God in a symbolic way in which they had oil poured over them. As king of this country and supreme governor of the Church of England, King Charles will be anointed at his coronation next year. To be anointed is to be blessed by God, to be equipped by God for a specific task. 
The equipping and power come from the Holy Spirit, which is why the Messiah here says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Well, I guess the obvious question is, well, how do we know that this is Jesus speaking? How do we know that Jesus is the Messiah that's being talked about in this passage? Well, let's turn, if you've got your Bibles there, to Luke 3 in the, the New Testament, verse 21. Here we have the, the start of Jesus' ministry. He's just been baptized. At which point we're told that heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We turn over the page into chapter 4. Jesus is then led into the wilderness by the Spirit, where he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, but in each case, he resists the devil's temptation. And in chapter 4, verse 14, we're told that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Note again the role of the Spirit in all these events. And continuing in verse 16, we read this. It says, he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was saying that the scripture from Isaiah 61 that he had just read out was all about him. He is the one who has been anointed by God, anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And later in verse 43 of uh, Luke 4, Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Well, good news is hard to find these days, isn't it? And the the I newspaper which I read, um, if you turn to page three, you might find a good news story, if you're lucky. It might be the only one in the whole newspaper uh, this week. One of those um, good news stories was uh, Cliff Richard bringing out a new Christmas single. <laughs> I'll let you decide if you think that's good news or not. But what is the good news that Jesus came to bring? And who are the poor referred to in this passage? Well, as we will see, Jesus is not just a bringer of good news. Jesus is the, the good news. And the poor are all who are distressed and heavy laden for whatever reason, including that of sin. As Jesus says later in his ministry, he says, I've not come to proclaim good news to those who feel they're, they're comfortable, they're in control of their lives. But to those who know they need help, the poor in spirit. Well, there are three aspects of good news mentioned in this passage that uh, Jesus will bring. And the first of those is that he brings healing for the brokenhearted. 
verse 1, it says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm sure many of you will know the classic 60s song, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, which has been covered by many different artists over, over the years. Uh, the chorus goes like this. It goes, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted? Who had love that's now departed. I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind. I'll be searching everywhere just to find someone to care. Brokenhearted in many ways are those who have uh, lost love, or not been able to find love, those who are, are desperate to, to find it. And the most painful thing in this life is to feel that you are not loved. And most people will search for human love, which can be a wonderful thing, but um, human love is not perfect because none of us is perfect. One of the films that's usually on at Christmas is um, Love Actually. And there's a pivotal moment in that film when the character played by Emma Thompson finds a necklace in her husband's pocket. She assumes he's bought it for her for, for Christmas. But when she excitedly opens her present on Christmas Day, she finds she's just got a, a Joni Mitchell CD. And you feel her pain as she realizes that the necklace must have been for another woman and that her husband's been cheating on her. The only one who loves us perfectly, who we can trust completely is God. And he showed that love by sending Jesus into this world to, to live the life that we should have lived and die the death we deserve for all of our wrongdoings and failings. This is love, it says in 1 John 4, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Through his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus made it possible for us to enjoy a relationship with God, to, to know his love and to have our broken hearts healed. Or well, secondly, the good news is freedom. Freedom for the captives. Verse 1 continues to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. In this prophecy, there's both a physical element of freedom and a spiritual element. The people of Israel wanted to be released from exile in Babylon. They wanted to return to, to their homeland. They wanted to be free. Just as today, Ukrainian refugees want to be free to return to their homeland to live in peace. But freedom takes different forms. So when Jesus quotes this passage from Isaiah, it's a little bit different. He says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. It's not just freedom for those who are in captivity in another country. It's freedom for those who cannot see. It's freedom for those who are oppressed. When Jesus came, he did give physical sight back to the blind through his miraculous healing. He came to free those oppressed by illness, such as the paralyzed. He came to free those oppressed by social exclusion, such as the lepers. Just as love is something everyone craves, so is freedom. But when people talk about freedom today, it's usually about people being free to do what they want to do. 
which is fine when it's a, a good thing that they want to do. The trouble is we're born with a sinful nature. Uh, we're not able to make wise decisions for our good and for the good of others all the time. The freedom that Jesus came to bring is a freedom from spiritual blindness or darkness. He came to help people see that by following him, they will be able to be free to choose wisely, to enjoy life to the full. They no longer need to be captives to their selfish human desires. They can be freed to love God, to love others more than themselves. That is true freedom. Being free to live as we were designed by God to live. Whereas the passage goes on in, into verse 2, it says that the Messiah came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The year of the Lord's favor is a, a reference to the year of Jubilee that's mentioned in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, when debts are forgiven, when slaves are freed. There's also a reference to the coming of the Messiah, which Jesus confirmed was fulfilled in his coming. The day of vengeance wasn't actually mentioned by Jesus in that passage in Luke, but presumably because that will be fulfilled at a later date when he comes again. Well, the good news is freedom for the captives. And thirdly, the good news is comfort for all who mourn. Jesus came, verse 2, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Living in a fallen world, there will be many reasons to mourn, not least following the death of a loved one. And God does provide comfort in that situation, as many of us here will, will testify. And next Sunday evening, when we meet for that memorial service, we will be seeking God's comfort in our mourning. But there is another type of mourning that's also referred to here that we looked at on Thursday evening at our members' meeting. In the book of Nehemiah, when the people returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls, they asked Ezra to read from God's word. And as he did so, the response of the people was to weep because they had realized just how far they had strayed from God. For those of us here who are Christians, I'm sure we will be able to identify with that. That moment of realization of how much we have grieved God by trying to live our lives our way without any reference to him. And that because of our sin, Jesus had to die. In the words of the hymn, and can it be? We've asked ourselves that question, died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death Pursued? Well, how does Jesus provide comfort for such mourning? Well, Jesus provides comfort firstly by taking the punishment that we deserve for our sin, turning God's anger away from us. But you may say that, well, just because someone's taken our punishment for us, does that mean we don't still feel guilty? That we're still in debt to them? What takes away the feeling of guilt and shame? is the knowledge that Jesus has willingly taken our punishment. It wasn't reluctantly. It wasn't under compulsion. It was something that he was pleased to do because he loves us. 
Nehemiah said to the people of Israel, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord delights in you. He rejoices over you. So turn your weeping to rejoicing. And that's exactly what they did. That's why it says in verse 3 that in comforting his people, Jesus is able to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The image of a mourner with, with ashes on their head, wrapped in sackcloth with a spirit of despair, is replaced by that of a joyful worshipper wearing a beautiful crown, an expensive fragrance, and a party dress. That's what compassion seek to do in the lives of children as they introduce them to Jesus Christ to bring beauty out of ashes. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of healing for the brokenhearted, freedom for the captives, and comfort for those who mourn. And in so doing, Jesus came to renew lives. Uh, if you were with us during lockdown, you may remember that we studied the book of Lamentations. Uh, it was set in Jerusalem at a time when the, the city had been destroyed by the Babylonians and the people were taken into to exile. And the people knew that it was because of their persistent rebellion against God. They, they knew they deserved it. He'd warned them many times. And towards the end of the book, they, they call out to, to him, Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. They were making their appeal, not on the basis of anything they deserved, but they were appealing to the Lord to have mercy on them. And right in the middle of the book is that wonderful verse, which I know has been a great encouragement to, to many of us here. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And in this the passage in Isaiah, he's prophesying a time when God will restore. He will renew his people, and he will do that through his anointed one. This is what it says in verse 4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. No matter how badly the cities have been devastated, no matter how long they have been devastated, God will enable them to be rebuilt. But of course, this is not just referring to the physical rebuilding of Jerusalem. It's referring to a spiritual restoration of God's people, which will happen when they enter the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That is a, a spiritual kingdom that people can become a part of when they submit their lives to Jesus as their king, as their Messiah. When you accept the invitation of Jesus to join his kingdom, then you will know his blessing. You will have your life changed by Christ, which as many of you know is what LCBC also stands for, lives changed by Christ. 
So how will it be changed? How will it be renewed? Well, first of all, you will receive a new purpose. Verse 6 says, And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And the Old Testament access to God was through the priest. He's the one who would make the sacrifices to God on behalf of the people to, to atone for their sins. But he was just a man. And so he had to carry on making his sacrifices year after year. When one priest died, another would take his place. When Jesus, the Messiah, came, he made one perfect sacrifice for all people for all time. And so now he is the one who intercedes for us. We no longer need any human mediator between us and God. Jesus is that mediator. So in 1 Peter, Christians are described as a royal priesthood. We are all priests because we all have access to God through our high priest, Jesus Christ. We're also all ministers, it says here. A minister is a, is a servant. We all have opportunities to use the gifts that God has given us to serve him. The shape course that Saab has been running is designed to help us to identify those gifts that God has given us so we can use them to, to serve him. Serving is not about uh, plugging gaps in rotors. It's helping people grow in their love for God as they use the gifts that God has given them to serve him. As Christians, we recognize that everything we have is a gift from God that we can use to glorify him. That is now our new purpose in life. Secondly, we're given a new joy. Verse 7 says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive, you, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. An everlasting joy will be yours. Not only did Jesus in his death take away our shame and our disgrace, he replaced it with his righteousness with abundant blessing, with an eternal inheritance that will cause everlasting joy. We're coming up to Christmas, aren't we, when uh, we'll be exchanging gifts and uh, we hope that what we give will make others happy. Maybe we're hoping that what we receive will make us happy. But how long will that last? A few days, a few weeks, a few months? The joy of knowing we are loved by God is greater than anything that we can possibly receive in this world. It sustains us through the trials of this life. It will last forever. As it says in 1 Peter, it will never perish, spoil, or fade. Our joy in Jesus also shows that we are different from those who don't know Jesus. Which brings us on to the last way in which our lives will be changed, which is a new identity. Verse 8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. If we are Christians, we belong to Jesus. 
We are his people. He is our Lord and our Savior. We seek to please him. We, we want to become like him. We are children of our Heavenly Father. You can't become a Christian without being committed to Jesus and his people. And that's often what holds people back, isn't it, from becoming Christians. They're, they have a fear of that commitment. But you are either for Jesus, you're all in, or you're against him. There's, there's no middle way. And it's when you commit yourself fully to Jesus and his people, as we've heard Flora do this morning, that you will receive all the blessings that we've talked about. You will know what it is to experience healing, freedom, and comfort. You will know what it means to have your life changed by Christ and being given a new purpose, a new joy, and a new identity. You'll know what it means to be blessed by God. And that is the greatest witness that we can be to to those who do not yet know him. As it says in verse 9, their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. So if you are here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, can I leave you with this question? Do you want to belong to the people the Lord has blessed? Do you want to receive his many blessings? And do you want to have your life changed by Christ? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you anointed Jesus as the Messiah. You sent him into this world to proclaim good news. And we thank you that that good news is something that is a free invitation to to everyone here. Thank you that that good news means healing, it means freedom, and it means comfort. All the things that we long for. We thank you that he came to change our lives and give us a new purpose, a new everlasting joy, and a new identity. We thank you that he came to pour blessings out on us. So we do pray for those who are still considering that invitation. We pray, Lord, that you would prompt them, you would open their eyes to see the glorious truth of the gospel and the glorious blessings that believing in Jesus brings. And Lord, we pray for those of us who have already received the gospel, who have accepted Jesus into our lives. We pray people would see the difference. We pray people would see that joy, those blessings, that hope. They would ask us for the reason for the hope that we we have, that they too might share in that joy. Lord, make us those who love you and enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen. But if God has spoken to you this morning and you'd like to pray with someone, do please uh, make opportunity of that, maybe someone next to you. 
um, or the prayer ministry team. We'll have the red lanyards on. Please look out for them. Uh, but as you do go for refreshments or before you go, maybe just chat to person around you, chat to somebody, just maybe share what has God said to you today? What are those many blessings that we received really have struck home for you? What have you really appreciated? Let me close with um, a word from Revelation 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.